For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the 328th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Matt Perkins. And a backside post across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, man? Uh, yeah, so I just scored on the backside post. We're, we're good. You, you found me. You went through your progressions, and that safety left me vacated. That was a big, big mistake. But here we are. I'm happy to be here. Um, but the slightest tweak to that is I wish I was there. <laughs> there being the place where our third amigo is not in the second city this week. Our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Counting uh, is going to be the very first to wish you uh, a Mela Kalikimaka <laughs> and is going to remind you that Hawaii is where aloha means goodbye. It's Josh Cook coming to us from the tropical, beautiful islands where he is spending uh, Thanksgiving week, uh, going to the Maui Invitational, Josh? I, I don't know. What are you doing out in the islands? <laughs> Family reunion on Kristen's side. There we go. A little Thanksgiving break. Aloha. Welcome. Uh, I've been here for 24 hours, and as you can tell, I am blending in perfectly. This is what we island people wear. Um, this is... <laughs> This is the clothes of my ancestors. <laughs> yes, yeah. clearly. Clearly, judging by the skin tone of all three of us, we are native Hawaiians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that doesn't work so well. So um, it doesn't matter where you are, though, because you can spend some time with our friends over at betonline.ag, our presenting sponsor here on the Nailed Believe it. Network. They're the place to go to Take care of all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at Bet Online. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V, Bet Online, where the game starts. We are going to start here on the final week of the regular season after what turned out to be. An interesting week in college football. I think in a lot of ways, we saw more coaches fired. Uh, poor went out for our guy, Dino Babers, up there in Syracuse. Um, oh, he was going to last forever. I mean, <laughs> they were you know they were making a push there for a second this season, but it, uh, much like their offenses many times under him, they have come up just short. Um, we have a lot to talk about here. Uh, heading into rivalry week, which I can never pronounce correctly without like, <laughs> gobbling up all of my L's and R's and making them all sound Riv- the same. Rival- rivalry week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty much. Um, but yeah. we always start one big takeaway from the previous weekend. Uh, and so I am going to start uh, like I usually do. This, you know, we've seen this coming for a little while, guys. And I think the mask is just now fully off Lincoln Riley. He is an offensive coordinator. And I I just I don't see how he can remain um, 
a a viable head coach. You know, even with the firing of Alex Grinch, they that the team just plays lackadaisically on defense still. They still have more talent than all these other teams that they're playing. They should, if you go talent to talent, they should have wiped the floor with UCLA this past weekend, right? I mean, they, you know, they have more talent at quarterback, more talent on the offensive line, more talent at wide receiver, more talent at tailback, more talent at defensive line, more talent at cornerback, and still UCLA, my beloved Bruins, uh, were able to beat them and beat them handily. Go out to a 14-0 lead, uh, you know, and then jump out in the second half and score another 17 pretty quickly. And their defense still charm and soft, and they're getting sloppy. And I think that he now has a worse record than Clay Helton through the same amount of games. I'm not sure how, how much longer he can last. If he can't last you know, anywhere at, you know, uh, even through the rest of the season at USC. I mean, there's their regular season is over, you know, they don't play here on the final week and, you know, would it completely shock me to hear that Lincoln Riley has become an NFL offensive coordinator? Uh, Not in the least. I mean, heck I'd probably take him as the Buffalo bills offensive coordinator (laughs) right now, even though, you know, Joe Brady and them boys looked, uh, looked a little better this past weekend against the jets. But again, it's the Jets. Pretty good. No, it's a pretty good defense, though. <laughs> it's a pretty good defense, but their defense—they've—they've been—they've played defense very well. Doesn't matter. I—I just—I—I I don't see how Lincoln Riley can keep this up. And you know, I've been fortunate to talk to a couple of former USC players, one of whom who was actually critical of the Riley move from the beginning. He says, and he's now dancing, say this sucks, but I told you so. He's not, it's not going to work because he doesn't care about defense and he doesn't care about running the ball. And for all of the great things we've heard about USC quarterback for the past 20 years, what a lot of people forget is for the past 75 years, that has been the premier running back school in America. And so going away from that even more and USC for all of the glitz and glamor for a long time had really good offensive linemen and really good running backs. And, you know, they are not... You know, they just, they just don't have that no. and they're, they're soft. And it's just, I don't want to say it's sad because it's not sad, even though it's the, oh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, this college football is better when USC is good. Well, yes, but I think college football is better when you have teams that can be, you know, competitive. And this team isn't competitive right now with anyone who has a semblance of an offense or any team that actually plays hard, you know, and it's just, you know, also, one other thing I want to say about that, you know, everyone's talking that, oh, Chip Kelly's going to lose his job after the USC game. Well, Chip Kelly just whooped up on USC, and <laughs> UCLA would be idiotic to push Chip out. I think I think this would be such a regressive move to push Chip out. Did they have problems this season? Yeah, they were starting a true freshman, a transfer, and a backup who had started two games in his life at quarterback this year. And yet, here they are still sitting at 7-4, and four, against one of the, you know, one of the toughest schedules in the country. The Pac-12 has been an absolute murderer's row. I think at one point, oh, that loss to Arizona's, you know, a really bad one. Hey, guess what? Arizona can still make the freaking conference championship game right now, guys. Uh, You know, oh, losing at Utah, losing at Oregon State. Those are not bad losses. Yeah, they had one bad loss to Arizona State at home when they had zero quarterback play. This is not a smart thing to do. Do not fire Chip Kelly you know, whoever's listening to me uh, down <laughs> at the athletic director's office at UCLA, he is still the guy for the job. 
Perko off his soapbox and passing it uh, on over there to coach. Yeah, so uh, Jerry Jones, if you're listening to this, I don't know why you would be listening to Legal Motion, but if you because are... Because he, uh, he has a connoisseur of college football content. Yes, <laughs> he is, he is. He's very much so. He, 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 looks, he listens to make sure we don't bury the lead. That's true. <laughs> because he's he an was, Arkansas love. He is. An, he, that he is. So, Jerry, if you're listening, uh, Lincoln Riley is your guy. You want him as your head coach. No, as your OC. No, no, no. It's the Cowboys. <laughs> so you want him as your head coach. So, um, no, my, my big takeaway, uh, again, was uh, like Georgia goes on the road. This was supposed to be the one that they lost at Tennessee. First play of the game, Tennessee houses at 75 yards, and that would be the only thing Tennessee does all day. Georgia just dismantled the Vols, 38-10. Carson Beck had another banner day, quietly putting together a very, very, very great elite season. Bobo, Mike Bobo, who many claimed was uh, many claimed was a not a home run hire. He was a disciple of Brian Ferentz. He was a homeboy <laughs> hire. Uh, you know, hey, they they were drinking buddies in college, so he's throwing him a bone here. Nah, man, he's got one of the best offenses in college football right now, and and a lot of people are eating crow on that. Uh, this and this defense continues to improve each and every week. It took them it took them a few weeks to kind of get to know each other because there's a lot of new starters, guys that still. Um, are learning how to communicate with each other. You lose a big piece in the middle, literally and figuratively, and Jalen Carter. That takes some adjustment, uh, but they've kind of they've seemed to kind of make that adjustment over the last four games. And man, they have looked absolutely impressive. Uh, big big shout out to UCLA. Um, I'll echo that. Great great weekend for the Bruins because uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson won his first start yep. as an NFL quarterback. So that's great. Um, I, th- that was, that was a weird game. And then I'm glad it ended the way it did for him, uh, because he, uh, I think he deserves that. He's a really talented quarterback. I hope they give him more than a puncher's chance. Uh, Missouri finding a way to win in a sloppy game against Florida. They kept letting Florida into the game. Um, but they found a way to win at home in, in a game that they don't, those games, they don't usually win. Um, uh, but proving why they're in, the, why they are in the top 10. Um, and then, you know, shout out to Jordan Travis, man. That injury mm. was disgusting. And uh, all kidding aside, I said it looked like a geometry problem. His leg, as like as soon as he fell down, that's when I knew it was it was bad. Wasn't coming back, yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, it was like you had a couple of right angles in there, and it's, anytime you get that, it's it's not good. His po- foot was pointed one way. And it was stuck in that position. And, you know, you just feel for them and you feel for him uh, and, and that Florida State team who's worked so hard to get to this point. Hopefully the backup quarterback can can give them a little a little something. But this this college football playoff race is going to get very, very interesting, Josh. I don't know if you're going to talk about Washington as one of your takeaways, but uh, that game with Oregon State was great. It was great, and it, but it was yeah. it was great and ugly at the same time, Josh, yeah. because it was a monsoon. Oh, yeah. well. oh, there was a clip, Josh. Before you get into that, there was a clip of some dude standing in the concourse, just peeing on a on a, a support beam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you had to christen christen the remodeled riser, I guess. People um, were throwing cans at him and stuff. It was, that's it was pretty funny. funny. I saw I that on that. Uh, Shout out to Barstool for sharing that out yeah. there. 
No, I, uh, I wanted to, this is not my takeaway. I just wanted to circle back to something Perko was talking about with USC and soft. I mean, That's all you need to say soft. You look at their coaching history, their best coach since John Robinson came back in the early nineties was Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Oh, one to oh nine. And I think part of it is, yeah, they've got the, the Rams and Chargers now, but for a long time, USC was the NFL team, and you kind of need that NFL mentality. I'm wondering if Lincoln Riley does not miraculously turn this around, if this trajectory has, continues. He's not going to. If we know what they look is. to uh, an NFL hire. Um, that, that worked out for them the best. I think the other thing is in hindsight, looking at Texas now, and, you know, maybe maybe Sark had to go through the Saban car wash for Sarkeesian to get to this point. But his coach at Texas right now, USC would love to have. So, you know, maybe maybe they got rid of him too quickly. Um, I they, also, to, they also had to. They, 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 yeah, they had no choice. He, they had he was, no choice with yeah. the drink with him drinking on the job like he, that was a like uh, no but yeah what um, about coaching for him he was no. getting drunk at games yeah but i mean you know you have him go through a substance abuse program i'm just saying there 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 could have been other ways to have handled it i i, I can't imagine i cannot imagine envision a, a scenario with the amount of transgressions that were both you know, you yeah. know that came out and ones that weren't you know. Know, as verified. That that he could have la- he could have weathered. That I know storm. it would have it would have been would have been a very they, difficult they needle made the, to thread. They made the right move, even though he's mm-hmm. a good coach. They yeah. made the right move. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, it wouldn't have been easy, like I'm saying, but just you know, hindsight being 2020. Um. I wanted to talk about uh, two bull bound teams from the Big Ten, and then UNLV. UNLV got it done. Mm-hmm. They are six and one. In the conference, they knocked off New Mexico State. Yeah, New Mexico State. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Um, but yeah, (laughs) UNLV, UNLV won that Air Force game. Um, I didn't run the math because why would I? Had an out on vacation, but at six and one, because you're everyone else in the Mountain West is five and two, so the Rebs looking great. Um, shout out to them, and then the other two bull bound teams, Wisconsin. I know it's gonna be a crappy bowl game, but they kept the streak alive. And I think with all the questions and doubt that Fickle has experienced, keeping that streak alive was pretty big for trusting him and this system. I don't think his seat was ever gonna be more than warm. Um, but Oh no. He would have he would have heard some noise. He already was if, hearing noise. Yeah, he already was. But yeah, I just you know, I think that streak is tangible things for fans to look at. So yes. that was huge getting that win over Nebraska. And then the very opposite, Northwestern. Um, I feel great on the block. I said that Northwestern had the talent to kind of win a few games here and there. I didn't think they would. I thought that was would have been if they had Fitz. But it's safe to say that Fitz was clearly lost that locker room. This team went 1-11 last year and was awful. What David Braun has done has been 
amazing, getting them to a bowl game. I also feel really good that I had Purdue dead last in the Big yeah. Ten West, and that well one uh, that one came to fruition. But I mean, you act like you're a Big Ten blogger or something. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I mean, you know, for Northwestern, again, crappy bowl game. But we're talking about a whole extra set of practices that you can do. Um, you know, practice. going out on that recruiting trail, he's got the full-time job. He's not the interim. And he could say, look what I did year one, took him to a bowl game. We're building you know, things here. You know, what would, yep. you know, what would make the difference. He, he'll make the college football playoff. If he does this, uh, put team on the back of his shirt. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, hashtag. It, it, no, at least there's no hashtag in front of it. Um, Coach brought one or two other things I wanted to point out really quickly. Uh, New Mexico State going in, being paid $1.85 million to yeah, yeah, yeah. not just beat Auburn. It, it wasn't a fluke. Like, New Mexico State outplayed Auburn in every single phase of that game. They didn't win on fluky special teams. They didn't get big returns. They out-muscled, out-schemed, and just flat-out outplayed Freezes for four quarters. Freezes the fraud. Yeah. Love it, man. Broadsus. And then well, also yeah. kudos to Louisville for uh uh locking up that ACC title game appearance. Ten and one on the season, seven and one in the ACC in Jeff Brom's first year. You gotta tip your hat to all those all, all those guys. And still with you know an outside shot if about 18 things break right of making the CFP. <laughs> No, a lot well, of he, right, he, here's the interesting thing about that New Mexico State. Things. Here's the really interesting thing about that New Mexico State Arizona or New Mexico State Auburn game. Arizona, Arizona had a great win, uh, but no. So Hugh Freeze last year, Freeze versus Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill won forty nine fourteen. Jerry Kill killed him. <laughs> so he's probably tired of playing know, Jerry Kill. <laughs> scheme system just coaching acumen i mean you know you could give jerry kill a vibrating football board and he'll find a way to get that to a bowl game i mean he's he's incredible they have a chance to get to 10 wins um with one more week left in the season and they have their conference title game and they have their bowl game i mean if they win out they'll have 12 wins i mean it's great it's it's a shame he had all those health problems because like i can imagine him in a big time power five position oh he had minnesota turning he did he had he had them turning and he would have the the year he was gone and tracy clays took that team to the holiday bowl and absolutely smoked washington state i mean that was that was all jerry kill i mean tracy clays tracy clays his name i hadn't heard in a minute yeah yeah well speaking about coaches uh just real quick uh with the illinois win kirk ferentz at 600 for winning percentage if he for, retires now, he can get in the hall. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got to well, average 25 points a game over the next two. Uh, no. Um, okay. Well, let's then transition uh, right in from the weekend that was to the weekend that will be. Uh, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done. Talk, talk a couple big games from this weekend, and it starts with the game, uh, number two versus number three, Ohio State, Michigan. Wait, no, wait, the game, the game is not Georgia, Georgia Tech. <laughs> no, sorry, Coach. Um, the Rambler right, Rack not qualified for um, any, anything. Hey, they like they that. went bowling too. You know that they've gone bowling twenty one out of the last twenty three seasons. The, <laughs> it's the Jeff Collins era that broke that streak. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Coach Capri. Yeah. Gioff. Gioff Collins broke the streak. Um, well, uh, one team, we got one team in Michigan who, even if they make the postseason, they those might be rescinded, so they may not count in the record books. Um, and another team in Ohio State that, you know, they looked good against Minnesota, but again, it's Minnesota. And I still don't think Ohio State has put together a convincing win against a good team yet outside of that. Penn State game they both played Penn State and you know I think Michigan looked better against Penn State than Ohio State did but either way it doesn't like you know it it doesn't matter you know it it comes down to this here in the Big Ten in the future this will probably be the uh the first out of a a back-to-back uh a home and home maybe or not not quite uh because there will be no more divisions and so they will be able to face each other in the conference title game but as long as we have uh east and west legends and leaders we've got uh a uh we've got a title game so these two teams are fighting for the illustrious right to take on the iowa hawkeyes in the big 10 championship game next weekend a lot of storylines here more than we can count so uh more than we can count i should say josh so uh I'm going to start here by asking you which coaching staff right now as constituted do you trust more? Well, before answering, I am going to throw out there that Iowa's two highest point totals this season were Western Michigan and Michigan State. So we can score against Michigan teams. You've been put on notice, Wolverines. Um, Okay, so all jokes aside, Michigan scoring averages – since Connor Stallions got fired, has gone way down. They're scoring fewer points per game. I wonder why. Is it anecdotal? Is it because they've played tougher teams? What is it? It is a fact. Um, In game day action, you know, Michigan, for instance, famously ran the ball 30 times in a row against Penn State. They just pounded, pounded, pounded. Would Harbaugh have done that? Probably not. So which coaching staff do I trust more as currently constituted? The one that is intact, that hasn't fired a linebacker coach and replaced it with the defensive coordinator's dad, who, by the way, the defensive coordinator, he didn't know that his position coach was coaching players on what to say to investigators. I mean... For all we know, there could be another bombshell. It's Monday, right? Yeah, we got five more days. There could there could be something else that happens. Ohio State, you know, Coach Day is playing this thing cool as a cucumber. He's looking for loopholes. Yeah, he behind the scenes must just be going ballistic. And you talk about bulletin board material. This Ohio State team has to feel like just they got ripped off two years in a row and for the COVID year Michigan ducked them didn't even want to play them so this Ohio State team they have the 
intact coaching staff, and they better be flipping PO'd. So you're getting an angry team that, I'm going to be honest, against Minnesota, they put no cards out on the table. They're like, we're playing the Gophers. We ain't showing Michigan a thing. And it was the most ho-hum 30-point victory you'll see. Um, well, they couldn't I, guard Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. So even if they wanted to show something, even if they yeah. felt like they needed to empty the bag, they didn't yeah. have to. They just so so. Will that will that be enough? You know, the the question the last two years has been Michigan has undeniably been more physical, and you know Ohio State's pointing that Notre Dame win, saying, "Hey, we've we fixed that." Notre Dame's pointing out to Coach Mason Harrison their elite skill position talent, and you know. Do they have enough at quarterback? I mean, JJ's been playing well for Michigan, but I wouldn't say that like Michigan has like a hundred to one advantage at quarterback. Like Michigan did not look effective. McCord's been good enough. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you get it in the zip code of Marvin Harrison Jr., you're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, a lot of lot of signs point Buckeyes. So that's how I'm feeling. It's. you know, I think if you're going to make the case for Michigan is that they still have probably the best offensive line in mm-hmm. the country. Um, and, you know, they may be able to, you know, you talked about the toughness stuff, you know, did Notre Dame answer that? Did they answer that with Notre Dame? Well, a little bit, but at the same time, like, I still feel like Michigan's offensive line is more rugged. They're running backs as a tandem in terms of Corum and Edwards are better than just Estime at Notre Dame. And, you know, they're, and, and, you know, while McCarthy may not be perfect, he is more than serviceable. I think it would be amazing to me though. We see what CJ Stroud's doing in the NFL. If CJ, CJ Stroud never beat Michigan, which is wild. But if they're able to now beat Michigan with Kyle McCord instead of yeah. CJ Stroud, that would be something. But maybe it was just because they had the they had the plays and the calls all along. It was because CJ Stroud didn't play defense either. I mean True. Yeah. They they yeah, the the last two games have just been physical bullying from uh from Michigan. Uh, with Ohio State. Ohio State's played soft in those last two games, especially the snow game in the big house two years, two seasons ago. Where I mean, they just the, – the offensive line just mauled them. Like, there was nothing Ohio State could do. They just mauled them. Yeah, they beat and, the and, out of them. And, and if they can overcome that, they will win this game. But they cannot, cannot, cannot get mauled. They cannot give up big chunk runs. They cannot not – affect the passer they have to they have to at least if they can even the battle they don't even have to win the battle they just even the battle up front they have the skill positions to win Mm -hmm. i mean marvin harrison jr is the best player in the game regardless of position Mm -hmm. and so when you have that advantage that's uh you know that that's a big piece right there so um i want to move though out west uh it's the final season of the pac-12 uh with a court ruling saying that Washington State and Oregon State will get to keep uh, the rights and get to sort of dictate what Pac the future that, that, that of the Pac-2 is. Um, as we close out this final season there, in uh, all eyes will be on the Pacific Northwest. The Apple Cup is going to be a good one, Washington, Washington State. Um, but Washington has already punched their ticket to the conference title game. Uh, but in Ouch. Eugene, the Ducks still need to take care of business in order to get that rematch with uh, to avenge their only loss to the Huskies earlier this season in Seattle. Um, so 
with that, the only place, obviously, that is going to be rooting harder for the Beavers than Corvallis this weekend is going to be in Tucson. If Oregon State's able to win. Arizona takes care of their in-state rival, the Sun Devils. That will put the Wildcats in the title game and should put Jed Fish directly in the coach of the, the national coach of the year conversation. Um, but speaking of coaches, uh, coach Corey, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, the coach of Oregon state, uh, their team played Washington better than anyone. They put them better than Oregon did in that monsoon this past weekend. Uh, you know, especially on, on defense, their defense, you know, was really able to render Michael Penix jr. Much less effective than he had been throughout most of the season. Uh, Coach, do you think that they can muster up another big effort against what has been in Oregon, arguably the best offense in the country, and pull off this upset and you know give the our, our friends down in the desert in Tucson a little bit of hope that their team will make the title game? I think they absolutely can. I think they have they had a really good game plan against Washington. The weather played uh, played a factor as the twelfth defender. Um, so unfortunately, that effort will probably go unappreciated. Uh, not by me. They were all over Penix. They disrupted him. Is one of the more is one of the most inaccurate games I've seen out of Michael Penix. Uh, they they made it. They made life difficult running the ball. They just they flew around. They got after you. For Oregon, what they're going to have to be able to do to make this a tough game. And Georgia did this against Tennessee. I think it's a similar game plan because it's a similar style of offense. I think they're going to have to do extremely well tackling in space because what Oregon really likes to do is spread you out, hit those seams. You know, they, they, they play a really good RPO option uh, option scheme, and you're just – they put guys on islands, and those guys on the islands, like Josh – are going to have to tackle Josh. You're going to, have to be a really good tackler this week because you're on an island. Um, but uh, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to play clean uh, as far as penalty free. They're going to like, they get a chance to get off the field on third down. They've got to capitalize on that. They've got to find a way to take the ball away, which they're a very disruptive team. They had they're they are very much capable of doing so. It's the reason why we're having this conversation. So to answer your question, Matt, yes, absolutely, they have a chance. They but. They don't need to play conservatively. They need to. I mean, they need to flat get after Oregon. That's it. And and if you you're going to get burned occasionally, Oregon's offense tends to do that. But you just got to keep coming, keep coming, keep coming at them, and and uh, keep hitting, keep blitzing, and just just flat get after man. I think the key here, Josh, for the Beavers is their ground game. We know that they have a very good offensive line. We've seen Damian Martinez be really good, but we've seen Big Cinco, when he needs to take off and run, be able to take off and run and punish some guys. There was a run from this past weekend where I think he broke like three or four tackles oh, Big in Cinco. Washington. My guy. And if they're going to do this, you're going to need a big dual threat game from Big Cinco, I think. I think he needs to. I hate step this is a road game for them. I, I don't yeah. like that this is a road game for them. That Corvallis crowd would be big, Josh. But still, I think that, to me, the key to this game is going to be DJ not turning the ball over and doing it with his legs as well. Yeah, I mean, you look at that loss against Washington, you know, what were the difference makers in it? You could you could point to that one play where Oregon State completes the pass, wide receivers running upfield, fumbles, gives Washington the ball, with a really short field and they turn that into points. And 
um, you know, kind of sucked uh, some of the air out of that stadium. But what Oregon State put together an incredible second half, shut out the Huskies. Another thing, I know this is not the sexiest stat in the world, but time of possession. It's a real deal with Oregon State. How do you shut out a team as good as Washington in the second half? Well, they had 15 more minutes of time of possession, 37 minutes to 22. That's a huge thing. That's, you know, Coach, how many possessions is that that Washington basically didn't get to have because Oregon State's bleeding the clock every time they touch the ball? It cost them, what, three, four, five? I'd say say about three. Yeah. Realistically. So, I mean, that's – it's harder to score when your offense is not on the field. I mean, I hate to be John Madden, but for Oregon State, that is a very real recipe for success. Bo Nix and that offense has been amazing for the Ducks. Well, don't have them on the field, and Oregon's probably less likely to score. So that's going to play a huge factor. What you said, Matt, about the run game, that's how you get that time of possession. Um, you know, when they were driving the, the ball and they got to about midfield, I really thought Oregon State was going to do it. I saw your text. By the way, Coach jinxed him. Coach jinxed yeah, Oregon like State it. about to win here. Um, I was like, ooh, they are driving. Coach, the prognosticator, here we go. And then the drive no. kind of stalled. No, but, I'm the jinxer is what yeah. I am. <laughs> but, but, I mean, before that drive stalled, it seemed like I Martinez, did it to Florida too. Yeah. <laughs> It seemed like, you know, during that drive before it stalled, Martinez was getting four or five yards before he got touched. And I know I know they only averaged 3.7 yards per carry against Washington. But, but what they is, carried it 40 times. They ran the ball 40 times. Eating some of those one-yard gains in the first half tires the team out. And you can get some more yards in the second half. And I know, I know it's like 1950s, 1960s to say you got to establish the run. Yeah, there, there's more ways to skin a cat, right? You don't have to be physical, you know, establish the run. Hey, Josh. But, but if you have an offensive line like Oregon State does, that is still a good model for success as old as it is. Hey, Josh, I got a math problem for you out there on the yes. island. Yeah. What is 3.7 times 3? 3.7 times 3. Hmm. First I down. That's a first down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three Move yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. It's, yeah. Move the chain. Woody, Woody Hayes won a lot of games that way before he started to punch Clemson players. That's a huge advantage when you punch Clemson players. <laughs> Fun fact about Clemson. I just learned this week, and I did not know this. That They before, beat the holy hell out of UNC? Well, no, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> UNC has always been a paper champ, but – Paper champ, I think you'd be a paper tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Both, why not? I mean, uh, a champion, don't you got to win a championship to be a paper champ? I mean, didn't they win a championship somewhere <laughs> in the 50s or something like that? I don't know. Um, no, apparently, no, no at, at Clemson home games, they say the Pledge of Allegiance in the stadium before the game. Yes, that's true. I've been to one. They, which that I that that shocked me. That absolutely yeah. shocked me that uh, they uh, yeah. that they say the pledge of allegiance uh, in the stadium before. I've the game. heard them. I was not inside the stadium yet. I was still waiting to get in, but I heard it. I'm going. flabbergasted. They also still- open the gates at halftime, let you go, let you leave, and come back. Yeah, well, so does every Big Twelve. I'm not seeing any natties. I'm seeing eight or uh, yeah, eight conference titles. Okay, well, you five, know. five in the five in the ACC, none since 1980. 
and then three in the SoCon. Yeah, the SoCon champs, baby. There we go. SoCon paper champs. Um, <laughs> paper. So okay. No, well, safe. with with uh with, with the Pac-12 wrapping up, you know, it's uh, it's sad to see it go, but uh, we are going to have to continue to go on our little journey Pac-dose. here. Pac-12. Uh, from the for to the pack two, I am though also interested in a extremely important game over in the American this weekend. Josh, UTSA Tulane, the winner of this game will get a berth in the American Championship game, most likely against SMU. That's assuming the ponies are able to dispatch of Navy and the middies this weekend. If not, there's a bunch of different machinations that Josh could take us through. Um, what would happen, but assuming that SMU continues their winning ways and uh, the midshipmen stay well mid as they have been all season, uh, I think it's going to be the winner of this game versus SMU in the American Championship um, and also in the running for the top group of five uh, not to be in a New Year's Six game. Uh, So, Josh, like I said, I'm interested in this one. What key matchup, in your opinion, is going to be the one that determines how this one turns out yeah so you know i think we picture willie fritz and and michael pratt quarterback at tulane scoring all those points against usc last year and we must think oh they're, they're a high flying offense <clears throat> they really well are. here's the thing josh like <laughs> uh I, I think the jv team that coach coaches over at ensworth could uh put up you know 26 27 <laughs> oh easy with these yeah. defense. easy Easily. Yeah. Dude, we're, um, we're scoring every time we touch it. But that's, yeah, just, that's just how we roll. Tulane really isn't that. Um, they're a very nice, balanced offense. 61st in passing, 66th in rushing, 66th in points, four, where they stand out as their defense has been awesome this year. 18 and a half points allowed. That's top 20 in the nation. So for me... The matchup is going to be UTSA's offensive attack, a little bit more potent, a little bit more explosive than two lanes, keyed by their awesome quarterback, Frank Harris, with over 2,300 yards on the season. And they have a very, very, very nasty wide receiver, Joshua Cephas. Assuming he plays uh, pretty well, he'll hit 1,000 yards in this game. He's He's just about 30 yards shy of that mark right now. He has nine touchdowns on that season. So I'm looking to see how Tulane's top 20 defense handles Frank Harris and Joshua Cephas. That, to me, is the matchup. If Tulane defense shows up, balls out, that Tulane consistent complementary offense should be able to put up enough points to win but it's going to come down to that two-lane defense for me. Coach, you got anything to add here on this one? I think Josh hit that beautifully. He knocked that one out of the park. Um, so let's then uh, – this does not have title game implications because Florida State has already locked up their uh, berth in the ACC title game, and the Gators have been eliminated since the second week of September – um, in the SEC, they've been eliminated since training camp. Um, <laughs> pretty much, they've been a li- no. Um, as soon but, as they pulled, t- as soon as they pulled Graham Mertz out of the portal. Well, you know what? I, here's what I'll say: Graham Mertz played valiantly this season. I think I don't think you can actually 
uh, sort of like put down what Graham did this year, considering that offensive line, he put up some good numbers, but he was also, you know, he's yeah, now he out, did. out for this, out for the season, uh, Jordan Travis out for the season. So we've got a backup quarterback bowl and this is going to be huge in a lot of ways because a without Jordan Travis, I mean, Florida state's chances at the CFP diminish significantly. Even if they get over the hump here, they're going to face Louisville and that offense who also have like Louisville's got some defense too. Like don't, don't forget that Louisville can get after the passer as well. So even if they're able to come through those two unscathed, though, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to, you know, uh, if the committee is going to really be interested in putting a Florida State team that has uh, uh, that has redshirt junior Tate Roadmaker, uh, who's making his first career start this weekend against Florida in the CFP. This is not a Cardale Jones situation. This is not, this is not the first season with mm. uh, that Ohio state team that was, that turned to mm. Cardale Jones. Um, we saw them, uh, a Cardale was already like a huge, huge recruit uh, from back in the day, had the talent. They had more weapons, even with the Keon Coleman's Johnny Wilson's and stuff like that, that Florida state has that 2014 Ohio state team was on a completely different level. When you go back and think about the talent, they had a receiver, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, all those guys. So, um, that being said, um, we've got the Knowles this weekend, like I said, going with uh, Tate Rodenmaker. He saw a lot of action in relief of Jordan Travis last week. He guided the uh, the Knowles to 58 points, but it was against FCS North Alabama. We also may see true freshman Brock Glenn this weekend uh, from the Knowles. I would not be surprised to see a couple packages for him. For the Gators, it is a native Oklahoman, Max Brown, not to be confused with former USC five-star recruit. Max Brown with an E. This Max is Max Brown. Brown without an E. He's a redshirt freshman, much more of a dual threat than the statuesque Graham Mertz. Uh, Coach, which one of these teams is more likely to have issues with their backup quarterback here? And how do you see this one playing out between the, the two second stringers? I Honestly, I think it's going to be a pretty good game between the two second stringers. Um, I trust Florida State more because I think – Alex Atkins is a better play caller. I think the scheme is a little bit more intact with Florida State. I mean, to score 58 points, 58 points is 58 points. You still got to make the throws. You still got to be poised in the pocket. You still got to go through your reads, and you still got to go through a very complex offense. There's some there's some other footage out there of Tate Rodemaker against – he came in relief. Jordan Travis got knocked out of the game last year against Louisville. He comes in and balls out in the fourth quarter uh, against Louisville. Um, he had some action against – he had some really nice throws against Southern Miss. I mean, he's had some good reps. So he's got – he's not he's not short on confidence. But then again, Max Brown did everything that he possibly could to lead Florida to a win against Missouri on the road against a top-10 team. So he's pretty good in his own right. But we'll see what he does with with a full game – against what I think is probably a better defense than what Missouri's going to present. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting, but to answer your question, I think just scheme-wise, coaching-wise, uh, you've got to give the edge. The edge will go to uh, Rodemaker. Rodemaker. Rodemaker, however you say his name. <laughs> Rodemaker? Rodemaker. Rosenbagger? 
Rosenbagger. Let's go with let's go with the Rosenbagger. He's gonna have dry hands in the Florida swamps. Yeah. Uh, you know, gonna need a little bit of that rosin to keep your hands dry. Josh, uh, you have thoughts here. Do you think you know we've also been hearing Billy Napier maybe on the hot seat? Uh, no, no. Losing no some recruits. I think- I've seen I've seen them losing recruits, coach. They have lost a few recruits. I, don't, I think they lost three pretty big-name recruits in the past week. If they get embarrassed, if Florida State comes out and embarrasses them, which I don't think – I think that's off the table now, but I, I think he's going to get at least one more year. He should. But his seat will be hot Very hot next, next year. year. Yeah. Like he's going to have to – he's going to have to beat Georgia. He's going to have to – uh, I think he's going to have to do all – I think he's going to have to win at least nine games next year to keep his job. Um, unless he goes out and beats Florida State this week, then it'll get a little bit cooler, but it'll still be – it still won't be great. But it no, still it's won't not. be great. Yeah, it, it's not – I don't think it's as hot as everybody thinks it is. No, it's not. Um, and, and it really kind of shouldn't be. Well, and we'll talk more about that uh, next week after we have uh, after we have Black Monday. Um, for you know, on our annual coaching carousel podcast. Uh, before we head out, though, for the night, uh, we're going to give you guys one or two or a half dozen for the road, <laughs> however many you need to get you through the rest of the day, to get you through Thanksgiving week. Uh, for me, that means one thing and one thing alone. It's Axe Week. I was in Madison last week and got to take in Wisconsin versus Nebraska under the lights with some friends from the box. Shout out to... Uh, uh, friends of the show, Bruce, Bruce and Kathy, hooking me up uh, with some uh, some box seats. Got to hang out with uh, some friends from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, in in the box. Good times all around. Uh, Wisconsin became bowl eligible, which is huge, extending their 22 straight uh, bowl seasons. And uh, with a victory over Minnesota this weekend, will extend uh, their. Uh, having a winning record for 22 straight seasons, which is the most in college football. We've seen more more teams have a straight bowl season, but some of those finish six and seven or with losing records. That's a really important thing, like Josh mentioned earlier, to a lot of Wisconsin fans, that bowl streak, that winning season streak, that having something on the line. Um, uh, you know, it means a lot to Wisconsin and the Axe. Obviously, it's the most played college football rivalry across the board and a big game for both of these programs. Um, you know, uh, P.J. Fleck and them boys have had, you know, an up and down year. They're fighting to get to bowl eligibility. So it's, it's a double win for Wisconsin. Prevent Minnesota from going to a bowl. You get to go to a bowl. You get to get the axe back. Um, but it's still been tough sledding for Wisconsin's offense. The running game has had a tough time getting going. Uh, Tanner Mordecai has provided a spark with his legs once he returned from injury. But it's going to be tough tough up there in in the bank huntington bank stadium in minneapolis for wisconsin and minnesota but i'm you know i'm excited i'm always excited about the axe guess what it's going to be cold it's going to be gray it's going to be some ugly football ethan kaliak manis uh, is still playing quarterback for minnesota whose game is about as ugly as his name and i you know it's it's just it's going to be a slugfest it's going to be uh it's going to be classic Big Ten West football. And speaking of, uh, you know, we've been pouring one out for coaches that have been leaving. We're going to be pouring one out for the Big Ten West because uh, this is our last weekend of Big Ten West football. Got some real humdingers for you. Northwestern Illinois, six and five versus five and six. Illinois wins this one. They get to goal bowling as well. Uh, we get to see 
Iowa, Nebraska, which I'm sure Josh will talk about. Um, I'm excited, though, also in, uh, in in Big Ten country, Maryland Rutgers. Both teams already secured bowl bids. Rutgers wins this one, finishes 7-5 on the season. That would put them in a solid fourth in the Big Ten East, and w- which I think would be a, a real successful season for Rutgers um, in, uh, you know, only a couple seasons into the second term of Greg Schiano in New Brunswick. So I'll be keeping my eye on those big 10 matchups as well, Josh, but um, I will pass it off to Corey for his one for the road. Uh, one for the road, like one six pack for the road. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. So 30 uh, racks for the road, One thirty rack for the road. So I'm going to talk about every game on the slate now. Um, now, when you think of when you think of Thanksgiving weekend, you cannot you cannot sit and watch football without thinking about this massive battle up north. UConn at UMass. There we go. It's gonna be a true, true barn burner. I don't know a single player on this team, but Jim Moore Jr. Uh, has a tough road game ahead of him. The over under set at fifty one. It's gonna be a whole lot of get you some on that one. That is, uh, I mean, for Thanksgiving, it's perfect. It's, uh, it's you know, UMass, UConn, New England, Pilgrims, Pride, mm-hmm. all sorts of good stuff. They might as well play the game at Plymouth Rock. Why not? They'll probably get just as many fans. Um, uh, Egg Bowl is going to be interesting. Uh, Ole Miss has a chance uh, with some style points. They have a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl if they can win and win handily and give the committee something to think about. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting. The game's in Starkville. Uh, clean old fashioned hate week, of course. Uh, if you if you know what clean old fashioned hate week is, do you know what that is? Yeah, it's Georgia Georgia Tech. Yeah, there you go. Come on now. Yeah, Both, we we got the Iron Bowl. Yeah, we got Iron Bowl. bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah Egg Bowl. The Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. You got the Volunteer Bowl. Vandy at Tennessee. That's going to be a barn burner. And by barn burner, I mean that's going to be a seat burner for Clark Lee. Um, the Palmetto Bowl, Clemson at South Carolina. Uh, see South Carolina can win two in a row against uh, against Clemson. Uh, South Carolina had a really nice win against Kentucky last week. See if they can keep that up. Kentucky falling off. They've fallen off big time. Yo, I, Georgia didn't just like – you know how like we'll say sometimes like, oh, like don't let a team beat you twice, right? Georgia, Georgia beat them. Kentucky five times. They broke Kentucky. They completely broke Kentucky. It's not – it's – they are two different – like the team that we saw in the first five weeks, Kentucky, and the team that we are seeing now are not the same players. It's not the same coaching staff. It's not the same scheme. It's not They're the broken. same anything. That was – like I, I, they are unrecognizable right now. Yeah, Devin Leary looks like he's never played quarterback before. And like their, their offensive line has stopped functioning. Their offensive yeah, line they, they is don't just do. completely stop. And that, to They're me, is quit. the biggest surprise because I thought even if Lee was going to be up and down, they could rely on that running game with Ray Davis in the offensive line. Dude, like – It's been atrocious. They, but they're seeing ghosts. Like, I've – I've you know, in watching – I caught a little bit of that game last week. I felt like offensive linemen were moving to block stunts that weren't there. Like, it's bananas. Yeah, I've never seen a team just – get so discombobulated so quick and for so long. Usually teams pull out of it. Usually good teams pull out of that. Usually Kentucky pulls out of that. Kentucky's never been broken like that. No. But, it's know. shocking. 
It's, not, it's almost not under stoops, at least. They've never been broken like that under stoops. It's almost Lincoln Riley esque. All right, Josh, give us one for the road. Well, I'm not going to talk about the Heroes game, um, although I will be up at 7 a.m. here in Maui to watch it and to continue my trend of cooking something from the other team. I am trying to figure out how to make a homemade Runza sandwich. Of course, the famous Nebraska. Uh, fast food restaurant that we'll sometimes poke fun of with their name. Uh, but I will talk about a team from the state of Iowa. Uh, due to traveling and things, we could not do our usual beloved FCS playoff extravaganza. But this Saturday is the opening. Yes, brackets are out. The, the playoffs. And from Des Moines, we got a team you might not recognize, the Drake Bulldogs. They went oh. undefeated. <laughs> they went undefeated Drake. in the Pioneer Football Conference, eight and zero. It's their first championship since a co-championship back in 2012. It's their first outright championship since 04. and they get the distinction of playing North Dakota State. So very, very, very tough battle ahead. And I'm, I'm sure some people are wondering, well. Hang on, North Dakota State went eight and three. So did Drake. Why, why can't Drake hang in this game? Well, the Pioneer Football Conference is that conference that does not give the same amount of scholarship. These are programs that do not give scholarship money. So as a result, they're not quite as good. For example, against South Dakota State, the number one team in the country who went undefeated in the Missouri Valley football and beat North Dakota State. When Drake played them, they lost. 70 to 7. So there's a very, very, very good chance Drake does not do well this weekend. But that does not take away from the fact that they went undefeated in their conference. They won their first conference outright in almost 20 years. Well done, Drake. You guys are freaking awesome. You represented FCS football for the state of Iowa quite well because Northern Iowa was a walking disaster this season. So well done, Drake. Hats off to an incredible season. Get the upset. It's like Hoosiers. It's a 100-yard field. The field goal's the same. The field goal posts are the same. Just because you're the smaller school, smaller brand in FCS, doesn't mean you can't have a one-time miracle. That would be awesome. I don't think they'll do it, but hats off to Drake for a phenomenal, phenomenal season. We've got a couple interesting matchups in the first uh, in the FCS, you know, opening weekend. Uh, we've got an interstate game between uh, UT Chattanooga and Austin P. Coach here in uh, you know, we we've got some regional matchups. We've got Lafayette versus Delaware, uh, North Carolina Central versus Richmond, uh, yeah. Gardner Webb and Mercer. We got we got a bump. We got a bunch of like quasi regional matchups that are going to be really interesting to keep an eye on even that drake north dakota state you know that upper midwest matchup i'm i'm excited yeah. i'm always excited about the fcs playoff we're not going to get to talk about it as much this yeah. week we'll get into it a little it's bit more easier next, next week. week when the seeded teams are involved yeah, yeah. Well, once we get into the seedings we'll, we will jump uh head first into that you know and see if uh if them jackrabbits can can uh win it all again i mean they definitely are the heavy favorites they are you know I, they are the strongest program in the country at this point but we'll be talking about all that and more next week when we are back uh before we head out uh any final words gentlemen aloha there we go i gotta go all right uh Let's well thanks it. for tuning in <laughs> go enjoy your rumza sandwich via legal motion podcast runza 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 r-u-n-z-a rosenberger <laughs> warm up you're going in 
uh, put down the runs of Rosenbagger. You're going in. Um, thanks for tuning in to, to the Illegal Motion Podcast on the Believe Network and Mike Farrell Sports, presented by BetOnline.ag. Uh, thanks for tuning in on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, out there on the Hawaiian Islands. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Go dogs. Go Bulldogs from Drake. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.